0: Welcome to the podcast series from the National Association of Directors of Christian Education. During our podcast, we focus on topics in ministry that will be practical resources for those serving in the Lutheran Church as DCEs. As a benefit for members of any DCE, we hope these podcasts will encourage you in your calling and equip and strengthen you in your ministry area. I'm Katie Morgan, a DCE serving at Family of Christ Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. This episode will continue the sharing of a roundtable discussion about women serving as DCEs. Our conversation today was facilitated by Shelley Haynes, and it is the second of two parts. Those participating in the discussions are Brianna Clark, Hannah Elsie, Lindsay Oling, and Julia Tugis. The continued conversation focuses on the importance of relationships in ministry, balancing them with the learning part of our calls, and what these younger professionals feel are the core values that drive their ministry. So grab a cup of coffee and enjoy these insights from our colleagues.
1: But, um, Bria, as you were talking about, how many hours did you have with, with the kids per year?
2: As an elementary music teacher, 45. Yeah. Okay,
1: 45 hours per year. That has really struck me um, to make the most of every opportunity. Um, and making the most of every opportunity just led perfectly into what, Julia, what you were saying, um, living out our faith, living out being the light and duplicating. Um, That faith, like a roadmap um, for others, so we can really truly live in community in the light and love of God by the grace of God. So, yeah, guys, thanks for
3: that. That's cool. I'm feeling I'm feeling Hannah's joy too because it's this is super edifying. It's so I want to share my last question with you guys. Um, So, as a person who's been doing ministry a little bit longer, there's a little bit of a road weariness, and I loved Julia. when you said everybody is like your brother and sister and we all want the same things and we're all encouraging each other. And I love that. And I always felt that. And it's not always true, obviously, because saint and sinner, we have that, all of that together. Um, however, when you say that you were, you recall all of our heads too, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right? And we have this whole scripture of, places where God intervened and was was faithful and people's lives were kind of doing their thing. Maybe they were having a time of brokenness, but God was faithful, or maybe they were riding high and God was so faithful in that and all of these things. I wonder, just out of this conversation, is there a place or is there a way that you have sort of identified for yourself? These are the values I have as I'm a Christian educator. When I'm talking with people, whatever age, whatever generation they might be, and I want to make the most of the opportunities I have with them using this model, because you know, Christian uh, music teachers, forty-five hours a year—that's awesome. The latest statistics for church um, attendees. Is that most families come once every six weeks? And they usually make a choice between an hour of worship or an hour of study. And they may go to youth group as well. So you're talking with you're talking about possibly, possibly 20-something hours a year. Now that doesn't include coffee, and that doesn't include f- uh, basketball, and that doesn't include watching a Giants game or all the other spiritual activities we could be doing with our kids going to the mall all of those things what what is the and this is going to be for each of you what is your value your this is what i'm about as a christian educator in this context and then what is your delivery mode like how if you could sort of put it into a nugget and so whoever wants to answer but all i would like all of you to answer that question
1: I'll take a stab at it. <laughs> I'll go first. Good job, um I was recently, uh, I feel maybe a little bit of conviction recently. I've been really reflecting on this question a lot lately, as far as what are the premises that we hold going into a conversation and what is our preferred method of delivery. Um, I think I can be vague enough. Um, that there is some family (laughs) in my life that has been dealing with some sin and has been deceived by the devil um, and partaking in some maybe like witchcraft, occult, tarot card, Ouija board sort of situation. Um, And I found that over the course of kind of asking the questions, finding out what is happening in the situation. Sometimes my default is to just seek peace. Don't confront, you know, be be non-assertive. And I've realized in this situation that sometimes people, always people, need the truth. They need the truth. Um, and sometimes the person on staff is me, is the one, <laughs> the one to do that um and so it's not enough for me to have good vibes like you know oh it's just peace because we're not talking about it but actually peace is found in Jesus alone and through those kind of hard conversations where you do sometimes need to be confrontational I know you guys uh you guys know that um hopefully you've had maybe more success or have some stories of of that being the case for you. It's just really really apparent for me over the last couple of weeks and dealing with that, that this is a family who regularly worships. And so it's it's easy for me in my mind to be like, oh, okay, they're even checking more than that once every six week box. Yeah, Things are probably fine. They're not, and <laughs> everyone needs Jesus. And um, sometimes those conversations can feel like a confrontation, but that really is the only, way to peace.
3: Yeah. That's the hardest thing because I think you, I think you know that the devil is prowling around and sometimes really insidiously gets in and, and then the family doesn't even realize they've gone down the path, but they are like, oh, both things are true. And, and both things aren't true, which is sad. Yeah. Wow. That's a big one. All right. So, um, in your scenario, Hannah, putting on the spot, is it, how do you, how do you focus with them? Do you, do you, are you like closer that you just step right into relationship even more so? Are you saying we need to have a little intervention? Like how have you, what have you kind of done to sort of take a stab at trying to offer a confrontation, conversation in love with these people?
1: Right. Yeah. And I will say it's, It's an ongoing situation, as is all of our warfare in this life, Um, and taking cues really from my senior pastor, as he's done more and more of the counseling um, in this situation. um, It's just been more apparent to me, um, what what should we do? What could we do um, as brothers and sisters when we are in this situation or we see people being Deceived, being tormented, suffering, whatever the sin is. Um, And the answer is not to ignore it, (laughs) I suppose. Um, So as far as the conversations, you know, there are multiple people in that household. Um, And so um, developing relationships with each of them and then also looking at holistically um, understanding family dynamics and that sort of thing. Um, There's a lot that goes into it. Um, But I think this conversation is still mirroring what we have been talking about um, in that we need to be um, being personally discipled, understanding Christ's love for us so that then we can pour out um, into other people as well um, in a really authentic way, asking good questions so that we know really what is going on um, and then um, trying to live in the light um, and give constructive help. Yeah.
3: I love that. I love that. Good. That's very good. Thank you, Hannah.
4: All right, someone else. I would say when it so if I'm understanding your question correctly, because now I've been like listening to Hannah and I was like oh, oh, fascinating. Um, I but I was love thinking that. like when it comes to um you know talking to people and how in my own ministry, how I go about doing almost anything and what the point of it, you know, is in those relationships and in those conversations. Um, something, uh, struck me, I was leading our high school Bible study. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we're doing spiritual gifts, which I've never studied personally before. Um, so it's, I, it's new for me and then I'm teaching them. So, you know how that goes. And one of the, the things we're talking about was the spiritual gift of mercy. And I don't think that is my spiritual gift. However, when asked the question, because we were trying to bring it into a real life context for for these young, for these high school women um, who don't know their own spiritual gifts, right? And so I we read over it what it was, what it meant, um, how it's a helping gift, all these kind of serving gifts, right? How these and I said, who in your life have you ever felt like could be, have this gift of mercy. And the quote from the, from the text is when you're looking at that was the, um, somebody who shows up and just simply says, how can I help? And isn't going to judge you for asking that. Right. And they're not going to judge you for what you need help with. And my girls all looked at me and they were like, well, that's you. And I was like, I thought, I think back to myself. And I was like, In one way or another, I then realized in every conversation I've had with any of these students and with many of my friends and and colleagues, it's, you know, I don't know what to do, but you can tell me what I need to be doing for you. And that's how we'll work through, through things really, because you can think you know what's best for a student or what's best for, you know, somebody, but until you've truly actually asked and shown them that you, you know, the transparency of that you actually care Right. And, and so that, that's kind of where, where I come, it's just all mercy. Right. And because us as we need mercy, I need mercy every single day. And so it's the, how can every single person that I interact with, I can sit back and, and say, how can I show them mercy today? Because Mm -hmm. the world doesn't show us mercy. I could be the only person this week. They encounter that, that brings mercy to the table. Right. And so that's where mine all kind of comes into. and, And it's funny because I didn't see it in myself until I had a 15-year-old girl sitting next to me look me dead in the eye and say it, right? And then I had a one of my adult leaders across the room, who's a new Christian, less than two years, who then tells this story about how when she first came to the church, I took her to Panera Bread. And I don't even really remember the interaction. And she said, and that's why I'm here today, because she sat across the table from me. And I've never met a real Christian in my life. and And today we're friends and she helps lead my youth group. And I was like, I don't even remember this interaction. And so it was kind of this, you often think you can't do ministry if you're not doing it exactly how maybe the book says it, or your pastor tells you, right. Yeah. But other people will sit back and they, and they see it. Right. Because it's all, yeah. it's all Jesus. It's not me. Right. So there's a woman in, uh, that you
3: may know the name of, um, her name's Audrey Werner. And she is like a powerhouse person in my life and in so many women's lives in ministry. She's just one of those girls that, like, you don't want to say, oh, I'll have to be this person because God's called you to be you. But she always, her sign off on every email is, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It is. It is all about Jesus. And that really, I love that. Um, I love that there's gifts we have that we don't Like Hannah's talking about the desire for peace. That is a very churchy characteristic that if we just have peace, everything will be better. But that's not true. If we have truth, everything will be better. We have to figure out a way to lovingly and winsomely say that. And then you're saying mercy. I don't know that the church is known for mercy either. It should be. There are a lot of ways the church does mercy. That's not what we're portrayed as in our culture. That's not a lot of Christians I've met that show a lot of mercy. There's a lot of like oh, I have a prayer request, but really it's a gossip sesh about this person and, you know, all the things, but, but the church is mercy. That is why this matters. That that is why what Jesus did is so powerful and all through the God of the old Testament is mercy. And, um, yeah, that's so huge. You guys are bringing it. So, um, not that I have any worry because I know Lindsay's going to bring it and says Brianna, but what would you ladies share? And Lindsay's all, don't go to me first. What would you add to that? Like, what are your, what's a core value? And then how would you deliver that? That's kind of the, and you're bringing it hard. I want to just know what your sort of feeling is happening right now in your ministry. What's God doing in you?
2: I can kind of t- dovetail off uh, Julie a little bit. So, um, so we ac- this is ever since I've, I learned this. This is very dorky. Uh, this this term from our Christian counseling class a couple summers ago. Um, that there's this German word called Anfechtung, which apparently there is not an English word for, but it's just this constant struggle. Like everybody has this struggle that they're gonna have their whole life. And, you know, you can, you're can. you not going to cure anxiety. <laughs> you're not going to be able to cure self-hate or thinking, looking in the mirror and not believing you're enough, or maybe it's a success. You've got this drive or idolatry for wanting to achieve, what have you. Um, and we're all going to have something that we can't suppress on our own without the help of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think that has been something that, as I've been kind of literally navigating who I am as a Christian in ministry, because that's really kind of, I don't know, I could get into a long story, but that's not what we're here for, um, that I'm 100% certain that that's why God called me into ministry, because he wanted to strengthen my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was me realizing uh, that, I think my, because I think originally the question was kind of what is your ministry? How do you, like, what do you navigate towards? And so it's really um, dwelling in humanness and that we even, you know, I even just did a lesson yesterday in children's church about the fall and how God can use make sense that we all commit into beautiful things for his glory. Uh, and so how can we, make into our ministry show that our flaws are not something to hide or be ashamed of, that God can still use them. And, you know, I even read recently uh, that some people frown upon the book of Mark, uh, not being one of the more rich or positive lights of the disciples because Jesus is constantly telling them, Hey, why are you not paying attention to me? (laughs) Like, Hey, why can't you figure this out? Do you know how many times I've told you this? (laughs) And um, what really that if we flip the lens around, which that shows us is that the disciples were human, just like us. (laughs) And God chose them to build his church that Peter denied God, or denied Jesus three times, but yet he's always had the makings of building and creating the church. And he didn't see that in himself, but Jesus did. And so how many of us, even though we see ourselves or we are flawed, as flawed, or we actually are, which we all are, that Our humanness is intentional and God uses that for beautiful things. So is Christianity for the people who follow all the rules and, you know, are ethical and good versus bad? No, God loves all of us, you know, sinners. He is all of those things. Like we all point to him, not about me, right? Right. So it's just, it's. It's a hard thing to navigate, but it's something that, like, I feel like really grounds me that when I, even at the beginning of my ministry, I'm like, I am not equipped to do this. Please don't push me down this road. I'm going to fail, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and I don't want to do it. (laughs) That God's like, duh how do you think you're successful at anything? It's me. If I'm telling you to do this, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's, I don't know, for me, that has been even still, when I still wrestle with God, where I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know if ministry is the right thing for me. I don't know. Like being a Christian is hard, <laughs> but I look at my life before I finally stopped, finally said yes to yeah. ministry. And I'm like, my life is so much more full because I'm letting my success be defined by God versus what I decide, I define. And so I think that is, for me, has been a big shift in how I relate, mentor love on people that even though I don't always like it and, you know, God tells us, he, God's big enough for us to get mad at him and yell at him and have whatever wrestling's, <laughs> you know that's all okay because you know we're human our humanness that's that's where it falls for me
3: i love that i love that thank you i think it's so great to see the delivery
0: we thank you for listening to this month's podcast sample and we hope you were encouraged by listening to hear the whole podcast Members can log in to the member area of our website at nadce.com. If you're not a member yet, you can also go to our website at nadce.com and complete the membership application so you can enjoy all the benefits of being a member. Benefits include joining us at the meeting tent and the Emmaus table. There are also online community groups. You can receive our quarterly publication And you get a discount for our conference that happens every other year. We wish you God's blessings on your day.